Tappers, what's up? It is the Tuesday edition of the Daily Tap. We are talking about what's about a rivalry. Miami Heat, Milwaukee Bucks, or Brian Gunacoust, Aaron Rodgers. Just kidding. We're not. But we will talk Bucks Heat Game 2. We will talk Aaron Rodgers and Brian Gunacoust and what to make of that Kenny Mayne interview. And then we will chat about Brandon Woodruff and why he is my Cy Young top contender. Um, he is pitching out of this world. If you are a Brewers and Bucks fan and not a Packers fan somehow, it was a really good night for you. If you're a fan of all three, still a pretty good night. You know, I, I know what the Bucks did, and I know there will be a lot in the local media that will start with Aaron Rodgers, but I would just ask that you don't. And that is my PSA. I'm starting with the Bucks. I'm not saying I'm better than any of these guys. I do think some of my stuff is better than a lot of people. And I every now and again, I wonder if my t- takes have been now recycled into the air. But I will say this. You should be talking about the Milwaukee Bucks first. You should not be talking about Aaron Rodgers. Because Aaron Rodgers did say some things. But it's not as important as a team that's in the playoffs that could contend for a championship. I believe they're a championship contender. I told you that on the podcast yesterday. I still believe that in this Milwaukee Bucks team. In fact, I believe it even more. And I talked about how Chris Middleton's shot was the start of the championship DVD. I don't even know if they do championship DVDs. Fine, it's on Amazon Prime, whatever, however you want to slice it. But I thought that that was the start of everything. I thought that was the catalyst of the Bucks going forward and the mental just tranquility that the Bucks were going to be in for game two, I thought or set them up nicely because of the Middleton shot. And sure enough, that was right. Giannis kicked us off with a three-pointer, and then it was on, and the route was there from the start. Milwaukee, I think at one point was up like 19 to 5. Like this game was not close. The Heat never really were able to get back into this game because all the Milwaukee Bucks were doing was shooting threes with reckless abandon almost like it just it was crazy about how everything was going in it felt spoiled like Dante hitting shots early on was like holy shit and then Brid Forbes flamethrower Forbes say that five times fast he was just on another planet tonight like he just could not miss it was incredible to watch just every shot of his seemed to go in in the first half and the Bucks were off and running, and this wasn't a game. And I know that a lot of people are going to look at the three-pointers and see what happened from a three-pointer perspective and say, this is why the Bucks can win a championship and everything like that. I'm not disagreeing with you there, okay? Like, I don't disagree that the Bucks three-pointers are part of the reason of why they have the championship makeup. But there were a couple of things that I actually thought that were more important from this game than the three-pointers. Number one, the Milwaukee Bucks did not need Giannis Antetokounmpo to put the team on his back. Now, Giannis Antetokounmpo had 31 points. I think he ended up with 13 rebounds, five assists. He didn't play many minutes, obviously. got to rest for most of the, the fourth quarter. I think NBA Twitter was ready to ring Bud out that he still had Giannis in there with about nine minutes left, and the Heat were trying to go for basically the, the John Calipari, UMass-style basketball, where John Chaney then would, would tell Calipari, you guys are a bunch of thugs. That's kind of what we were getting at here with Miami Heat. Like there was, there was some bad blood brewing, and it seemed like a fight was kind of on the edge, and the Heat wanted us to get into a fight. The Bucks never took the bait, though. The Bucks saw it. It was like the Mad Max gift, that's bait. 
They knew it was bait, and they didn't jump at it. So good on the Bucks for not sort of providing that motivation for the third game. If you've ever watched hockey in the playoffs and a team's getting shit pumped there, you will always see the team that's getting shit pumped try to start a fight or two and kind of use it as motivation for the next game and be a springboard. That's very old school hockey. It's not surprising that Pat Riley, that fucking fossil, you know, does something similar with the Miami Heat. And I know he's not coaching a team, but he is the head of the snake when it comes to heat culture so him trying to start shit with the bucks is not a stunner in any way shape or form but back to my point about Giannis and that it's not all about Giannis even though he had an awesome game even though he played really well he was you know aggressive from the start it didn't seem like the heat had any answer for him Bam Adebayo has to guard Giannis and for some reason Bam Adebayo is not guarding Giannis and because of that, they are abusing Trevor Ariza. They're abusing Jimmy Butler. They're getting not Duncan Robinson on switches, and that's a disaster. Um, so the Bucks are just taking it to this Miami Heat team, despite Miami having the 10th best defensive net rating. They have no answer for Giannis. But it doesn't have to be all about Giannis. And I, I mentioned this on the Daily Tap yesterday, talking about game one, where I was like, look, Brooke Lopez made it happen in spurts. So did Bobby Portis. Chris Middleton, super effective, had it happen. And then you also had Drew Holiday coming up with big plays. So tonight, Bryn Forbes, as we mentioned, was on another level, on complete fire. And you had Bryn Forbes, you know, pitching in. You had Chris Middleton make 17, had 17 points on five shots. That's ridiculous. Um, you also had Drew Holiday hand out 16 assists. You had Bobby Portis sticking up for Giannis when he got get, got banged up with, I think that was Deadman. I can't remember. Or it was, no, it was Bielitsa, excuse me. Bielitsa. And so, yeah, you know, Giannis was not the only guy doing it tonight. And, oh, Pat Connaughton, another guy, 15 points, hit five threes. Like, there were not the, just, it was all Giannis and everybody else. And watch Giannis cook. That did not happen. The wall does not exist for Miami or any other teams because the way the Bucs were moving the ball around the court offensively. And if the wall can't exist, everybody is fucked. If I watch this game as a Brooklyn fan, as a Philadelphia fan, even as a Laker fan, or fuck, who knows, Phoenix, I would be terrified of what I saw from the Milwaukee Bucks in this game. I would be absolutely terrified because they have not been able the heat have not been able to build a wall because there are so many other guys that are willing to step in for the Milwaukee Bucks that aren't afraid. And I told you guys this all year and I'm not saying you didn't listen because I know that you guys are loyal listeners to the Daily Tap or to Tabbing the Keg and I know you guys listen to us all the time. So I'm not saying you didn't listen to me. But more so speaking to the public. I said, look, the Bucks were too young two years ago. They course corrected and then they were too old. They had a bunch of old guys who you had to kind of see if the light switch was working. And then this year they have fallen directly in the middle. Where they have some veterans, some older guys, your PJ Tuckers of the world. And then you have some younger guys, Brooke Lopez could be included too. And then you have some younger guys like Bobby Portis, Bryn Forbes, who are all sort of ready for the moment. And they're not afraid of that moment. They're not afraid to be the guy for a little bit. And the fact that that is existent for the Bucks, 
is so fucking huge and makes Milwaukee a a top championship contender. And that Chris Middleton can hit big shots late. And I know that the national media narrative is trying to spin this as, well, Middleton's their guy at the end, not Giannis. And Giannis can't hit big shots and yada, yada. Look, Giannis has hit some big shots in his career. Don't act like Giannis hasn't hit a big shot or two in his career. Chris Middleton has incredible clutch stats. So why not go to Chris Middleton? If Chris Middleton is your guy in the clutch, go to him. Bill Simmons talked about this on his podcast yesterday about how Shaq had Kobe. And I'm not I'm not saying Chris Middleton's Kobe, okay? Don't get that twisted. But he had a reliable guard to make things happen late. Same when Shaq became a Miami Heat player and he had Dwayne Wade. It's the exact same thing. So Chris Middleton could be that guy for him. And Drew Holiday is a great supporting cast member that could also potentially be that dude down the stretch. And yeah, Giannis will have a moment or two in the late game. But yeah, it'll come down to the guards. It always does. And Middleton, maybe he just wasn't there yet. The clutch gene just was almost there, but it was percolating. And now it's here. And there is not a lot of clutch players, or there are not a lot of players that are better in the clutch than Chris Middleton. And that just needs to be understood. Lastly, why I took more away from this than the three-pointers was the rebounding. The rebounding has been unbelievable the first two games of the playoffs. And I think if you remember, the Bucks had some stretches last year where they gave up a ton of offensive rebounds. They didn't really see them engaged from a rebounding perspective. And now it's like every loose ball belongs to the Bucks. Dante DiVincenzo was busting his ass to get an offensive rebound when the Bucks were up 30. That's all that needs to be said about where the Bucks are from a rebound angle. They are they they at one point, I think Eric Name had this, they had they got half of their their shots back. They had 14 offensive rebounds, I think it was, in the first half, and they had 25 shot attempts. The Bucs were getting everything back. And if the Bucs are doing that from an offensive rebound perspective, again, they're going to be very hard to beat. And they wanted it more than Miami from the jump. And I've argued, I would argue that on the Saturday game, the Bucs wanted it more than the Heat. That's why the Bucs were diving for loose balls. That's why the Bucs were getting offensive rebounds. They have the grittiness, the heat culture that's talked about obsessively. The Bucks have that. The Bucks have it in spades. Like they are a team that is gritty and ready to grind you out and not afraid to A, run you off the court with a bunch of threes or take you down to the wire because no one can shoot. And if no one's shooting on the Bucks, guess what? No one's shooting on the other team. The Bucks with the rebounding as well, the defense has been great. What they've been doing to Jimmy Butler has been otherworldly. They're putting Giannis on him, and they are ineffective. And Brooke Lopez, you know, had some real struggles last year in the bubble and a little bit this year defensively, and Brooke Lopez has figured it out. He's really he's been really good on Bam Adebayo. And Tyler Harrow is an afterthought. I saw my guy Shafty call him Bubble Boy. I couldn't love that anymore. Um, and Dragic mostly ineffective in this game and they made some nice adjustments on Dragic and Duncan Robinson if you didn't notice that they 
were, again, no factor. So we'll see what happens with Game 3. We have a long way to go before Game 3. We have Tuesday and Wednesday off, and then we have Thursday for Game 3. Mitch and I will be back on Wednesday night. We'll preview Game 3, talk about the series at large. The Bucks and 4 chants were incredible in the stands. I wanted to fuck the Heat chant. No one was was willing to get that. I wasn't at the game. But I, I love the Bucks and 4 I love the fact that Charles Barkley thinks the Bucks are going to sweep the Heat. Charles Barkley loves to overreact um, in the moment, but hey, look, if that's how he feels, like good on him, right? Like I'm, I'm all in on that idea. I would love to see that happen. I think if the Bucks swept and it's Memorial Day Saturday and it's in Mil- like Milwaukee, will just I don't know, I would say a burn, but it's going to be just rowdy as fuck. It is going to be. An awesome scene on Saturday afternoon if the Bucks are on the cusp of a sweep. So we'll see if it happens. I'm not going to bank on it. I'm not going to expect it. I know the Heat are going to give the Bucks a lot in Game 3. But I will just mention that Milwaukee has looked like the superior team in the first two games. And the Heat don't look like they have a ton of answers. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe that changes. Maybe it doesn't. We'll, uh, we'll have to see what happens when... Game number three rolls around Thursday night. From the playoffs to the NFL offseason, Aaron Rodgers finally spoke to the media. What we've been waiting for for pretty much since the draft. So it's been about a month. Everyone wanted to hear from Aaron Rodgers. Everyone wanted to hear Aaron Rodgers talk about the situation, the drama at hand. And he hopped down with Kenny Mayne. It was Kenny Mayne's last show. Aaron Rodgers and him are very good friends. It's not surprising that Rodgers would agree to do an interview with Kenny Mayne. Um, that seems seemed obvious. There were not a lot of nuggets from this. Uh, Kenny Mayne trying to do his job, getting a headline grab or two from Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron really wasn't budging until he kind of got loose and then sort of said, look, it's all about the people. It's the fans. It's everything else. It sounded like a political stump speech. But he did not mention anyone from the front office. He didn't mention Mark Murphy. He didn't mention Russ Ball. He didn't mention Brian Gunacus. He actually, I don't know if you think he meant Matt LaFleur. Now, Matt LaFleur, I think, and him are tight. But he didn't mention the first three guys. The first three guys. And I don't know where I'm at with Aaron Rodgers. I think, here's the thing. I look at, I look at the Packers roster. I look at the Packers roster, the 52-man, right, without Aaron Rodgers. And Brian Gunacus has assembled a fucking awesome roster. He had a great draft this year. The Packers are set up for success. CBS.com wrote an article about tiering the NFL and put the Chiefs, Buccaneers, and Packers into the top tier. They are the only three teams in that top tier. Now, I hate power rankings as much as the next guy. But how can you blame Brian Gunacust for not putting together a premier roster? And as much as I love Aaron Rodgers, and I do think this is different than Favre, it's start, I can't help but get away that I'm starting to side more with the Packers. And I the pendulum for me has swung all over the place in this last month. It started with, all right, we're going to do this Favre thing again. I'm Packers till I die. Then talking to Murph, who is leading the Rodgers effort, and I think will become a fan of whoever Aaron Rodgers plays for if he is dealt. 
um, it swung me more to the side of Rogers. He made some compelling cases. But now I look at it and I say, well, all right, the cupboard isn't bare. This isn't the fucking Patriots. This isn't Atlanta with Julio Jones who wants out. By the way, Packers can't get Julio Jones. Stop, stop, don't, don't even think about it. It's not coming. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry to say, but it, it's just not in the cards. As much as I think fans would want it to be, it doesn't make sense from from you know what they have on the field right now, and also from the fact that you got to pay Devontae Adams and you probably have to pay Aaron Rodgers. And so back to Rodgers and the principles and everything like that. Oh yeah, so yeah, and I just, I'm now I'm swinging back a little bit. I think it's a really nuanced topic. I think it's really hard. I don't think it's cut and dry. I think that one part of me can look at it and say, Aaron Rodgers is not a normal employee. Aaron Rodgers is not, is not I was going to say Ruvel Martin, who's not on the team as a coach, but he's not Kamal Martin, okay? No disrespect to Kamal Martin, great player, but Kamal Martin and Aaron Rodgers should be treated differently because Aaron Rodgers is the star. He is the MVP. And he talked about the wrench. He said, oh, I threw a wrench into the plants. And also, by the way, he has love for Jordan Love, but it started a year ago. Jordan Love was drafted a year ago. I'll let you guys put the pieces together. Look, Brian Gunacous saw maybe the writing on the wall for Aaron Rodgers. He probably did not communicate with Aaron Rodgers that, hey, look, I've noticed a lot of things. It's not good, whether... Gutekus didn't want to face the music with Aaron Rodgers or he just thought that Aaron Rodgers is a normal employee and would go along with it. I think one of the things the Packers have to understand going forward is they need to be better people, people pleasers. They don't necessarily need to give the players everything they want, but when a person is sort of asking for a little bit more clarity and keeping them in the loop, you need to do that. Now, I am not advocating Brian Gunacus to get fired because Aaron Rodgers wants to stay here. Aaron Rodgers lost 15 pounds. His hair is getting long. It's starting to kind of feel a little odd. It's starting to feel a little like, you know, and I shot it to a a couple, couple of my friends and they're like, new pussy changes a man. And they're right. Like, I I know that sounds incredibly sexist, but it is true. When you are in a new relationship, you change. You just do. There are some people that don't change and they stay in their ways. I I think I'm one of them for the most part. But look, I've got better cleaning. I've got better understanding what's, you know, what's good, what's not, you know, from just an overall house perspective. But my personality hasn't really changed. I don't think it has. Somebody could tell me yes or no. But there are other people where they get a, a significant other, and it's going to be a female to male. It can be, you know, gay couple, whatever. Can you turn into that, your significant other? And it feels like Aaron Rodgers is more and more listening to his, his new girlfriend, right? His new, his new fiance. Not necessarily new. They've been dating for a while. But it, it obviously seems that Aaron Rodgers is ready for this next chapter in his life. He gets engaged. He's on a new diet. He has long hair. He, I mean, 
there's just everything about what Aaron Rodgers is right now is not necessarily Green Bay Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not saying that the woman, the Shailene Woodley changed him completely. I'm just saying that sometimes women change men and vice versa. And that's all I'm saying. I'm not blaming her. So don't don't aggregate this as some podcasters would say. I'm not I'm not cool enough to get aggregated anyways. I think if I got aggregated for this, I'd be I'd be fucking fine with it. So go ahead actually. Aggregate all you want. But I I don't think trading or firing Brian Gunacoust is the right decision. I just don't. And if Aaron Rodgers is like it's me or him, you have to go with Brian Gunacoust. Brian Gunacoust is younger in his profession than Aaron Rodgers. And if Brian Gunacoust gets fired, let's just hypothetically throw out Brian Gunacoust gets fired. He is out of a job for one NFL season, maybe not even that. He might get even a better job somewhere and goes to work for another team. And there you have it. And the fact is, is like if they cannot get along and they cannot find common ground and Aaron Rodgers is 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 just not willing to move then maybe you do move on and i know it would be wildly unpopular as ron wolf said last week labmo would still be full he's not wrong and i think everybody would get behind jordan love and as would i but you have to necessarily understand that you have maybe two or three years of aaron Rodgers left now you cost yourself those last couple years by being haphazard with the relationship. And that's something you'll always have to own. And that if Brian Gunacoust does not win a championship with Jordan Love in the first five years, it is a abject failure. It is an absolute failure. And I, I will say that from the jump. Like, I'm not kidding. The reason why the Aaron Rodgers Favre thing worked out for the best for the Green Bay Packers we all forget it because we have fucking short memories. But it's because the Packers won the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl two years after it happened. Favre went to Minnesota, nearly got to the the Super Bowl. And had that happened, and had Favre won the Super Bowl with the Minnesota Vikings, the amount of pressure that would have been on Ted Thompson and Aaron Rodgers would have been immense. It would have been larger than life. And because Minnesota did the Minnesota thing and threw the interception between the two and the six, I think that's how it goes. We're not playing the Detroit Lions. It's the right to go to the Super Bowl. Shout out to Paul Allen. The Packers were saved. That following year, not only do they beat the Vikings twice, they kick their ass, they fire their coach, and then they squeeze into the playoffs and they go on a hot run. So if that happens with Green Bay, probably not next year. It's going to take Jordan Love some time. But look, Jordan Love has weapons upon weapons upon weapons. Like the cupboard, like I'd have to look back at that 2008 team, but that was not a team that was as good as this team. Even with Jordan Love, I think they could win the division. As crazy as that sounds. But I have no idea where this is ending. I don't think there was a lot of substantial things from Aaron Rodgers. But I will say that it, it does feel like Aaron Rodgers from the... And then maybe it's just the way we're looking at it. But the way he was in December 
and about the team and everything like that, it now just kind of feels like he's about Aaron Rodgers. And he's making one more big swing. And the question is, will he land it? And will he get his wish? I I don't know. I don't know what the end game is. I don't know where this is going to finish up. All I know is we'll have our eyes on it all summer. And we'll see what happens. All right. Let's move on to Milwaukee Brewers and then ride out of here. So the Milwaukee Brewers had a nice win today. They've won three straight. It is now a winning streak. You can call it that. Brandon Woodruff was dominant yet again. He goes seven innings, allows three hits. He struck out, I think he struck out eight batters. He either struck out eight or ten. doesn't matter because the big woo was on fire, as the kids say. Brandon Woodruff was great in this game, and he continues to make a case for why he should be the Cy Young top contender. Jacob DeGrom down with an injury, and you look at what Brandon Woodruff has done thus far. It has been extremely impressive. He has allowed 10 total runs, or earned runs this season, 11 total. 31 hits over 64 innings. He struck out 73 batters, and he has an ERA of 141. It is the lowest ERA in baseball right now. That is where Brandon Woodruff is. Jacob DeGrom technically has it at at .68, but he does not qualify with the amount of innings pitched thus far. So Brandon Woodruff is the top ERA guy in all of baseball. Not just the National League. It's all of baseball. His whip is the second lowest to the Grom. He has one of the highest wars at 2.7. Brandon Woodruff, A, is an ace, but B is a Cy Young candidate and maybe right now the Cy Young frontrunner. And I don't think that's unfair to say. The fact that he's carved up the San Diego Padres twice this season says a lot to me. I mean, his two starts against the Padres, he went 13 innings, he allowed four hits, he allowed one run, he struck out 15 batters, and I believe he walked four. It's pretty fucking good against one of the best offenses in baseball. And yeah, they didn't have Fernando Tatis the first game, but the second game they did, and Tatis didn't do a damn thing. So I don't want to hear that. And... I really think Brandon Woodruff is a you know dominant force. And you saw how good the Brewers can be when they get runs behind him. Manny Pena went in the yard. Avisail Garcia took him deep, took Brett Blake Snell deep. And you also had a clutch hit from Colton Wong that gave the Brewers a 5-0 advantage. Now, Adriel Perdomo made things interested in the ninth. I do want to touch on that a little bit. But it, it was all about the fact that Woodruff was able to be at peace with runs and didn't have to worry, didn't have to press late, which I think we've seen a lot this year where it's a one nothing game or it's 1-1 one one or it's 0-0 zero zero, and Brandon Woodruff feels like he has to press a little bit more late. That didn't happen for the Big Woo. Rather, he was able to kind of just do his thing out on the mound and he did the damn thing. And I... I just really look at him as A, an ace, but B, the Cy Young frontrunner, and more so than Corbin Burns. I think the, the consistency of Brandon Woodruff this year has been something to marvel, and the Brewers are going to be really tough if this offense continues, and this offense is rolling a little bit, right? They've had four more runs, I believe, since Wednesday in each of their games. Now, they haven't won all of those, but now they've won three straight. 
they're they're starting to hit the ball a lot better. And Woodruff mentioned it. The offense is starting to come around. Keston Hira back in the lineup. I think you'll see both Hira and Christian Yelich in the lineup tomorrow. Um, and it's it's really exciting shit, man. And I and it would be very Brewers to get hot right when the Bucks are starting their playoff run. And now you're what is it? They're so four games against the Dodgers, three against the Padres, now four against Padres. They are seven and one right now against the Dodgers and Padres, the two best teams in the NL. Um, they they obviously get up for these, and they're they're doing their part. And I just I hope it continues. I hope that this is not a mirage. I said that yesterday. I'll say it again. Every day is different for the Brewers, but. You do have to figure out what you're going to do with this bullpen because now that Stearns got Willie Adonis, who the early returns are pretty good on him, and it's, it's it is early, but it's it's looking okay. I don't know what your bullpen looks like. Angel Perdomo coming in with a five-run lead is not safe apparently. Nor is Josh Limblum, who's been very bad, and I think Perdomo is going to probably go down, and they're going to look for somebody else. And I know relievers can be a dime a dozen. But you do need one to stick. And they don't have that right now. Trevor Richards did pitch well in his debut. Uh, he pitched two innings. But I don't know if they're they're going to need to have a couple extra extra arms. And maybe it's just kind of a tryout process. We see who works. Maybe Yardley, now that he's been in the uh, the sounds for a couple weeks. Maybe Yardley has found himself. Um, their other guy, Andy Ashby, is a guy who I think might get some love where it's kind of like a Corbin Burns situation when he came up as a rookie where he's a starter, but he's actually in the bullpen. Who knows? Uh, The Brewers are going to have to figure out a little bit more in that reliever space because there's no reason Josh Shader should have went to the mound today, but he did because that's what happens sometimes. Um, But the Brewers got done. I'm very happy with it and look forward to tomorrow where you have Corbin Burns against Joe Musgrove. Um, Corbin can kind of see if he can replicate his boy, Woody. All right, that does it for our show. Um, We will be back tomorrow. Um, We'll see what's on the docket. I'm sure there'll be a lot of crazy takes from the Rodgers comments. We'll probably maybe do react in the Rodgers. Who knows? Um, We'll see if anything new comes with Bucks Heat. Any commentary there, as well as Bruce Padres game number two. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a great Tuesday, Tappers. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.